you hear that sound? Drink it in, man. Because we are live from the rack for today's Rutgers ScoutCast Open. I'm your host, Sam Hellman, and I'm recording this shortly after Rutgers basketball availability for the week. Rutgers is practicing right now, as you can hear, getting ready for a big game against Stony Brook. And we're going to talk about that in the body of the show when Brian Doan returns as my co-host. We're going to wrap up the football season we're going to talk about recruiting, and we're going to look ahead to basketball. Steve Peichel is coming home this week to Stony Brook, where he spent 11 years, 11 good years building that program, and now he has to go against the monster that he helped build. He leads 8-1 and one Rutgers into action. I'm really looking forward to driving out to Long Island. Well, no, I'm, that's a lie. I'm not looking forward to driving out to Long Island, but I am looking forward to taking in the environment and actually seeing the game go down. That's going to be exciting. I recommend fans tune into this one Saturday night, assuming that you're listening to this before the game starts. Anyway, like I mentioned, Brian joins me in the body of the show to talk a lot of Rutgers stuff. I'm recording this open after the announcement of the donation from Jeff and Amy Towers to build the Rutgers practice facility. We're going to talk plenty about that and you know that it's going to be covered ad nauseum in the upcoming months you know with everything that's going to be renovated the key is getting it ready for next season the key is to now that you announce this very good job by Rutgers to get this announced publicly and to have Pat Hobbs comment on it before about 20 official visitors come to campus today speaking of official visitors I hope you all enjoyed our extensive coverage over on Scarlet Report No one covers official visits like we do. Uh, Articles, uncommitted kids, updates on how everything went, who hosted who, you know, what it was like to be at Chris Ash's house Sunday having breakfast with other guys, all that kind of stuff. You get to hear firsthand from the Rutgers commits and top Rutgers targets that were there. Uh, We're going to have that for you again coming this Sunday with a ton of visitors. You can check out Scarlet Report to see who's coming and any questions you have. So before we jump into talking about Brian, let me tell you a little bit about what else you can get at Scarlet Report. Uh, We've talked about the 10% off tickets. We've talked about 10% off gear. It's a great time to be a Rutgers fan, not only with all the changes that are going down. like It's a very exciting year, but it's a great time to check us out at Scarlet Report because it's a lot more than just access to a message board with our membership you become a member you're getting 10 percent off gear you're getting 10 percent off tickets if you become a new annual member now you're getting a subscription to sports illustrated included and since it is the holiday season you can also give the gift of scarlet report to other rutgers friends family people that you want to engage with on on the site you can give them this gift now uh, check out Scarlet Report or email me for details, but there are benefits for you too if you decide to give that gift to a family member or friend. No need to share passwords anymore. This is a great gift idea for Rutgers fans that may not even know what they're missing yet. So that's enough plug-in for me this week. Uh, Rutgers basketball practice, the intensity is heating up right now, so I think I need to go ahead and turn off my recorder before I get too many angry looks. Thanks for uh, listening, and here's our uh, guest. Brian Doan to talk some Rutgers football, basketball, recruiting, and and other nonsense. 
making his return to the show after a uh, New Jersey playoff hiatus. Scout National Recruiting Analyst Brian Doan is on the Rutgers Scoutcast, so the uh, listenership numbers better go up this week. I was going to say, it must be sweeps week, so you want to bring me in. Well, uh, our high, our most listened to show of the last three months was actually the Trill Williams episode that you weren't on, so I don't know, I might be taking a risk here bringing you back to the show. I'd bring Trill Williams back. He's good. He's fun to talk to. He's a lot of fun. Uh, I was talking to him while he was in the waiting room at his rehab facility for his ACL, so he was having a lot of fun talking trash in front of all the uh, senior citizens that also needed uh, injury rehab. That sounds exactly like him, but I'll tell you what, he's a hes a good pickup. He's a kid that they tried to get to campus a bunch of times and, and weren't able to, but they really built a strong relationship with the staff, and so he wanted to commit. It's so long until signing day 18 that you don't worry about how solid commitments are at this point. I just see a kid that was excited about Rutgers, and it gives them a little more momentum in these 2017 official visits saying, hey, we're already starting our 18 class. We already have this corner coming in. Yeah, I agree with that. And, of course, you want schools to make runs at them because if they don't make the run at them, it means Rutgers is seeing something that nobody else sees. and That usually doesn't end well. No, sometimes it ends well. Most times it leaves you at 2 and 10. He's a good pickup, athletic kid, and New York kid who's pretty close by. Well, part one of the news, Brian, we haven't talked on the podcast since the end of the Rutgers football season. That's so. why the numbers have been so high. We didn't talk football. Exactly. I want to kind of give our thoughts on the end of the season without ripping into a 2 and 10 team too much. Just this season was about the foundation, and that's what everyone will tell you in the organization. And I've talked to seniors since they've left, uh, Anthony Chaffee, Chris Muller, a couple of guys, that since they've left, they're not a part of the program anymore, so they can say whatever they want, and they still believe in what Chris Ash is doing. I, I just think that it's impossible as someone sitting in the stands to really understand the kinds of things that Chris Ash was trying to change in year one. Year two is where you better see the improvements on the field. Yeah, I agree. You want to see... Look, I saw improvements on the field this year. They were well coached. They were in position defensively. They were 2-10, and ten, and I'm not ripping them. That's It's not their fault they're 2-10. and ten. They're not good enough. They don't have enough good players, and that's what this is about. It's about getting better players and creating the culture. What I saw when I watched them play is I liked the way Drew Merringer called a lot of games. Was he perfect? No, but I'm pretty. I'm guessing Lane Kiffin doesn't have perfect games, and everybody thinks he's the greatest OC in the world right now down at Alabama. Drew Merringer called good games. It's not his fault the running backs didn't have bursts to get through the hole. It's not his fault receivers couldn't get open. It's not his fault quarterbacks can't throw quickly, read defenses, make the right calls at the line of scrimmage, whatever the issues were. And defensively, they weren't out of position. Now, they may have been two steps slow because they can't run fast enough, but they I didn't sit there and say, oh, another busted coverage, another busted coverage, another busted coverage. No, they looked well coached. They just don't have talent. When I look at this season, and it really heated up for me the last week of the season and being at that Maryland game in College Park to wrap it up, I totally understand why a lot of Rutgers fans want to see changes with coaches because that's what you do as a fan. You want to see changes and spots aren't working. What I don't get is when you have people asking questions to Chris Ash or, or whatever about, do you, th- do you think Drew Maringer is the right man for the job? Or do you think Vince O'Crew needs to be removed? 
I don't get that. It's been one year, and I think that the people that actually know football that watch it, a lot of the problems are execution-based, not play-calling. Like, you can rip the special teams unit all you want for that return that Maryland had, that big punt return. You mean where the guy missed the tackle who had perfect coverage? Exactly. And if he makes the play that he's supposed to make, it's a net zero punt, that that play? I I love Anthony Chaffee, but... He had a horrible year. You can't tell me that that was a scheme problem. He bounced off the guy on what would have been a TFL on a punt return, and then it went to the house. I don't see how that's the coordinator's fault. Was it the special teams coordinator's fault when at Minnesota the ball was supposed to be kicked in one spot and it was kicked almost on the other side of the field so your coverage to cover it was running the wrong way? I mean, that's the stuff that all you have to do is watch the tape and you can see where everybody takes off to down the field on the kick and the ball's on the other side. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous to think that the coaching was poor, so you have to change it. I'm sure the coaches want to do better. They've made mistakes. I get it. They're not perfect. No one is. But I agree with you. It's turning. It's either you don't know what you're watching or it's turning a blind eye and just asking easy questions for, for a quick way out. It's like, you know, I, I don't know who wrote it. I know somebody wrote it, um, one of the, the newspaper guys about Pat Hobbs has belief in Chris Ash. <laughs> that was stunning. Because, really? Because here's a guy who was brought in to rebuild a program, to set a culture that everybody knew it was going to be a bad year, and that would reflect really well on the program. You know, recruiting would be awesome if Pat Hobbs said, no, he's not the right guy. Not to mention people would never ask Pat Hobbs then, well, what were you thinking hiring him if after one year he said, no, I'm not behind him. That's just kind of how things go now. <laughs> but I, I'm... I'm excited about the end of the season, as I'm sure a lot of fans are. It's a chance to kind of take a break from what was a rough year. And recruiting, all things considered, has been going pretty well. And that's where the official visits. I know you've enjoyed our coverage. So, yeah, official visits are underway. The first weekend went pretty well, I thought. I mean, hopefully you've been following our coverage of it. We we tried to give you as much immediate news as possible. And I think we did a good job getting all the uncommitted guys And then this official visit weekend as well. Make sure you stay tuned. By the time you're listening to this, recruits will have arrived arrived on campus. It's a big, committed recruit weekend. But there's some other guys on campus as well that they'll be working on. This is the final official visit weekend of December. Yeah, I was talking to Bryce Watts on Tuesday night. And we were talking about his official visit. I said, how much you weigh, Bryce? He said, 168. Oh, he got bigger. I said... By the time you leave the official visit, you'll weigh 190. Brian, this is episode 40 of the Rutgers Scoutcast, and I believe it's the third time that our recruiting spotlight has shown upon St. Peter's prep quarterback, Jonathan Lewis, the Rutgers commit. But I'll tell you what, after watching his senior season, especially watching that state championship game, I really think Rutgers got a steal here. Yeah, I agree. He It's the problem with recruiting, and in this case, it benefits Rutgers a lot because Jonathan Lewis's biggest question mark heading into his senior year, and you saw it throughout his, you know, the, the spring of his junior year when he's doing seven-on-sevens in camps and even going up to practice, was accuracy. Could he throw the ball with accuracy? You knew he was a dual-threat kid. He has the body to be a dual-threat kid. He runs like a dual-threat kid. Could he be accurate? So everybody wants to get their quarterbacks wrapped up by July 1st, and and for the most part they did. And then Jonathan Lewis showed how much he developed. 
And it goes back to when I saw him early in the season against the Petty School. I think I remarked when I put his cut-ups, his accuracy was better. He had better touch on his passes. And it continued to move in that direction. And I know Rutgers would have loved to have him enroll in January. St. Peter's Prep doesn't do the January enrollment thing, so that was the issue. But at the end of the day, he's going to... He lives close to campus. He's going to be able to get there, go to a lot of spring practices. He'll get the playbook. He'll be able to come talk with the coaching staff about things. I think from what I saw in his development as a passer, watching what Rutgers wants to do offensively, having Drew Maringer there for a year, I will be mildly surprised if he's not your starter at the beginning of the season next year. I'm very excited to see who the next quarterback is that everybody wants to play. Now with Laviano gone and Reddick's not there, I'm very excited about that. By default, it's going to be whoever loses the job because they only have, what, three quarterbacks? Well, I agree, but you know it's going to be like after the second day of fall camp or spring practice, um, hey, if Lewis can't play, this kid's the guy. So I'm curious. I'm, I'm very excited to see who the next one is. Anything can happen at quarterback, and it's such a long way until Rutgers opens the season on Labor Day. Friday night game, Labor Day weekend against Washington. But I think that if you're you're Las Vegas and you're you're putting out the odds for this, I think that Jonathan Lewis and Gio Rochino are probably one A and one B as far as the favorite to start that opener right now. My favorites are Tylen Odin and Jonathan Lewis because I think if you give Odin some more time to develop, to learn the offense better, see if things can slow down get in the weight room, really shows that he's willing to work hard to get better now that he's there. Um, I think that's the direction that it goes. I think it's one of those two guys. For people that watched the state title game, Jonathan Lewis, they lost to Paramus Catholic. It was a pretty good game. Lewis, Lewis made mistakes in that game, but it's the kind of mistakes that you almost want to see when you're a coach because it's, a guy who knows that it's kind of up to him to keep drives going, to come back. I think they were down by 17 at one point. And so the mistakes he were making, he was taking chances because they're down in a game and he's trying to get extra yards, trying to get out of bounds. He lost a fumble that hurt them. But it's not like they were stupid mistakes where he was reading the field wrong. It was mistakes of trying too hard to bring your team back into a game, and I can live with those. Youthful exuberance is probably the best way to put it with stuff like that, and, and I agree with it. Look, he, he's gonna he's a freshman. If he plays, he's going to make a ton of mistakes. People are going to say, I cannot believe he threw that ball. How can, he, how can he do that? We need to bench him. But that's what happens. You're, you're trying to build this program, and when Lewis arrives – you have, in theory, your cornerstone quarterback to build your offense around, and you get him for three, four, five years, whatever it's going to be. There's going to be growing pains. Not everybody's a freshman at Alabama who can just, you know, run through a season magically. Um, you, you have that stuff. And look what happened to Chase Dodd's brother at South Carolina. Really good quarterback. Freshman. He made a ton of mistakes. But in two years, he's going to be sensational down there. And the offense should really flourish. I think it's the same thing with Lewis. You just need to give him time to grow. And you have to go into 2017. Look, go in thinking maybe they can win six games. Because if you go in thinking they can win four, you lose hope quickly. And it's very hard for people to realize that. Go in thinking if Lewis plays well... If we play better defensively, you can win six games. And I think 
as we sit here in December, Sam, I think that is a very important thing to keep in mind. I remember when Kyle Flood first offered Jonathan Lewis, I was watching him at a 7-on-7. I think it was at a 7-on-7 because Prep usually plays in that. I didn't really get it. And the strides that he's taken from then as a junior to now are fairly significant. And if he can do that again in the next year, I think Rutgers has its best quarterback available on the roster. But if he doesn't grow at all from now, that's when I think it's Gio Rochino versus Tylen Oden. I look at the fact with Lewis that for a long time, and I've had this discussion with his coach, Richie Hansen, when I looked at Jonathan Lewis for so long, I was used to watching Brandon Wimbush who was just elite. Uh, I think he was a top six, top seven quarterback for us. And his motion was a lot more fluid. His arm was a little bigger. And Richie said, I understand what you're saying, but you, you have to just look at Jonathan Lewis for who he is and what he does in our offense. And once I started doing that, I realized he is a really, really good quarterback at the high school level. And I saw a lot of them this year going out on the road, whether it's in Jersey, whether it's Connecticut, whether it's Pennsylvania, whether it's Maryland, D.C. I saw a lot of quarterbacks, and he stacks up pretty high. He's a really good player. My Jerry Springer final thought on Jonathan Lewis is... You're going to throw a chair at me? Maybe. We'll see how much background noise we get during this podcast, how many more texts that you get, uh, how many more Pokemon you try to catch. Um, Big update coming Monday, from my understanding, with Pokemon. Thanks. Uh, I'm going to cut that out. my final thought is that at the beginning of this year, Rich Hansen challenged Jonathan Lewis. He didn't necessarily have the starting job. He had to win it this year. So he's a guy that thrives on competition, and, and that's what he's going to face as soon as he gets to Rutgers. He's battling against Giovanni Rochino, who has starting experience at Rutgers, and Tylen Oden, who has a year ahead of him in the program. He did the same thing as a junior. He made him win the job, and every time he was about to make a move, he made him win the job, and each time he did win the job. Now you want to make sure that it doesn't get to that. You want him to win the job and continue that level the whole time, but it does tell you something about his willingness to compete. Thanks to Brian for joining us on the show, and now I'm bringing in our second guest to the program. That's Basketball Doan. Here to oh. talk about Steve Peichel and Rutgers, who is eight and one. Rutgers has more wins in the last twenty-seven days than Eddie Jordan did all of last year, and it's the best start numbers-wise since a little thing called that Final Four run in the seventies. Brian, your thoughts? Well, the first thing that jumps to my mind is you know watching that Central Connecticut State game, and I get Central Connecticut State is not very good. But they played defense, and they rebounded, and they played the right way. And it always reminded me of covering UConn when I covered Jim Calhoun or UCLA when I covered Ben Howland. And when they were in blowouts, they spoke to their kids, don't play to the scoreboard. Just play each possession, and don't worry about what the score is. And Sam, you, you know me well enough by now. The winning and losing always takes care of itself. Are you playing the right way? Are you being taught how to play? Are you playing hard? Are you showing pride in the way you play? And even in the loss to Miami, boy, last year that's a 40-point loss. Rutgers found a way down 20 to chip back in it, make the final look respectable, even though they never really had a chance in the second half. But just they look like they're not only well-coached, but they're coached hard. 
And I don't care that they're playing the sisters of the poor in a lot of these games because they may be 6-3 and three last year if you had the same approach from the coaching staff as this year. But Central Connecticut State would have been a 12-point win. And that's what I look at. I, I look at the fact that they're grinding and they're playing hard and you're, they're doing it the right way. I can't imagine what happens when they get some guys who can shoot the ball. This is more for the basketball diehards. I think some of the more casual viewers of the program won't catch on to this. But if you watch these press conferences and, and the way that kids like Mike Williams and Corey Sanders are answering questions, it's totally different. You can tell that you can tell that Steve Peichel has the yerk in their ear. Like he is he has influenced the way that they think where you ask Corey Sanders, hey, tell me about your dunk, and he starts talking about rebounding and playing defense. I don't think he even knew those words last year. and He did, but it was preceded by, we never. Exactly. It's, they're not necessarily cliche. It's not a, they're following coach speak cliche. They're actually answering questions with the way they're being taught in practices, and it's totally different. It's a belief system, and if you look at, the great coaches, the ones that... And I'm not saying he's a great coach, so don't take this out of context. But the great coaches and the ones who are successful, even the way Kentucky runs up and down the court or when Patino was running up and down the court back even in his Providence days with Billy Donovan chucking up threes. Defense. You better defend and you better rebound like crazy. And when you defend, even when the other team makes baskets, are you contesting the shots? Are you closing out on shooters? Are you making guys in the paint speed up and shoot quicker? And that's what's happening when Rutgers is playing these lesser teams when they're getting some of these chippies that they're missing. Because the defense is moving faster, guys are rushing and they're missing, missing shots. And I think for me, when I look at it, I don't, again, I don't look at the final score. I look at how they're playing. And at least I, I don't sit there anymore and be like, I, I can't believe that guy did that, unless it's something good. Uh, you know, and offensively, they have a clue. Now, whether they make it or not, I, you know, I, I went to the Hartford game and sat there and watched Hartford play a 2-3 zone, and Rutgers didn't hit a lot of shots against that zone, and that's why you play a zone against a team like Rutgers. But at least they knew, get the ball inside, high elbow to Gettys or whoever, kick it back out, move it around, move the ball for an open shot, penetrate from the weak side, all that stuff. And they're doing that. Where in the past, it was like, do they even practice yeah, and I, I went to those practices, and I think the answer was no. They just stood there for like two hours? <laughs> two hours is generous. I think C. Vivian Stringer just took all the unused time and put it on her own practices. I need that for my sixth grade travel team. We need more practice time. Now, the interesting thing for Rutgers fans is tomorrow, a- any of you guys that are maybe going out to Long Island to show your in-laws uh, your fancy house, going to hang out with the Barefoot Contessa, anything like that, Rutgers is playing at Stony Brook. I think that's a wrestling reference, but I don't really know. Oh, that's a Seinfeld reference. You like Seinfeld. I know. It's early. Now, with with Stony Brook, this is, first off, it's a genius job by Stony Brook to get this in Pico's contract to get him back the first year. That's pretty cool. Because you don't want him back in the third year. No, exactly. (laughs) But this is Steve Peichel, Jay Young, David Van Dyke, a lot of guys, Brian Dewar returning home. Is Dick Van Dyke going? I don't think so. Okay. They're returning home. It's going to be a hostile crowd. Stony Brook has a good fan base. Very good home court. Very good home court. I don't think any of the Rutgers players are going to be prepared for what they're walking into. 
but I think that Rutgers probably will be a little bit of a favorite. Sony Brooks not having a good year, but this is going to be a fun game. A, I disagree. I think they will actually be prepared because that's what you see out of this coaching staff. They will be prepared for what they're walking into, whether they can handle it or not or whether they believe him or not. We'll see. But, yeah, I think it's a fun game. I think it's one of those things that people may look at and say, geez, why are you playing there? It's a good game because you're going to – you'll get tested more there with the road environment than you did against DePaul. So at least it gives you a little bit of hostility and maybe some adversity. And let's see how you react. But I'll tell you this from watching the kids play. I feel like they're a confident group, and if it doesn't go well – they know how to fight through adversity and kind of grind it out. Whether they win or lose, we'll see. But I get the sense they're going to grind it out. And I also get the sense, from an X's and O's standpoint, they're going to be very well prepared because, A, they seem to be in nine games so far, and, B, there's no way he's going back to his old home to lose. And welcome into the Rutgers Mailbag segment. We take your questions on topic and off topic every week. You know you can contact me, Sam Hellman, uh, on the Rutgers Scarlet Report site. That's phone number is? Right. You can email me, shellman at scout.com, or hit me on Twitter. I have Instagram, but I don't use it. I have Snapchat, but I don't use it. So Twitter's the best, at Sam Hellman Scout. Tinder? No comment. Uh, the on, on-topic question this week came from Marvin Hamlish, which I can only assume is a fake name. Uh, he asked, who, who is the biggest basketball surprise this season? Oh, boy. I am going to go with Corey Sanders, and here is why. He's sharing the basketball. He does not look selfish. He is not forcing a ton of shots. He just looks like a player who is more interested in playing a team game than seeing if he could jack up so many shots he needs a massage in his right shoulder after the game. I am also going with Corey Sanders because you look at a guy like Corey Sanders with his level of social media exposure and the fact that he went to seven different high schools and you don't necessarily expect him to be a team player. So when he's playing these games, and he's had some pretty bad games this year, he's been ejected from a game, he's committed a lot of turnovers, he's not shooting well, but his attitude is still very good because the team's winning. It's surprising in a good way for me to see Corey Sanders embracing the winning over the uh, stats. I look at it this way. He's embracing it over the stats, but he's impacting the game despite not having the big stats. I think that's the key. And A lot of people look at it and go, oh, how many points, rebounds, assists. That's not what he's doing. People are worried about him driving to the basket, so they're playing out on him more, and it allows him to do other things with the ball, and it gives other guys some free space. And uh, going off topic this week, the question came from Brian B. The question was, who would you want to host you if you were on a Rutgers official visit? See, that's a tough one because what's my objective? Do I want to go to school there or am I coming just for a free visit? I think that you can answer the question however you like. Who would I want to host me on an official visit? Boy, that's a good one. You know who I'm going with? Because he can still do it. I'm going with Julian Penix Odrick. He would be absolutely sensational. He knows everyone. He, I'm guessing, would be very in tune with the social aspect of a college. Good student. Understands academics. 
great citizen. So he'd show me a lot of good places on campus. We'd have a blast, but I know we wouldn't get in trouble because he's responsible. I think that I would go with Giovanni Rochino as my host. I think that uh, you, you've heard him on the podcast, and I've gotten to know him for a few years, and we have some similar interests away from football that I think we'd get along with. But most importantly, I ask myself, who are the guys that gained the most from the coaching change and improved the most? And I look at Rochino, and I would want to learn from what he did because whatever he did during this coaching change worked. I mean, look where he was as the you know fifth-string quarterback that never touched the ball to going into a guy that started six games this year, five games. I want some of what he's having in terms of whatever he learned from Chris Ash, so I want to learn the same thing. If I'm going in to play for Chris Ash, I want to learn from a guy that did it the right way and didn't have to deal with suspensions or being a knucklehead or anything like that. And he's a quarterback. I'm sure he has some fun connections on campus that I could have a good time. Well, I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in to episode 40 of the Rutgers Scout Cast. We're approaching halfway to 100, and it's been a good ride. As a reminder, you can contact me, shelman, at scout.com about an extended free trial on Scarlet Report. Not only does Scarlet Report get you the most in-depth, accurate coverage out there in terms of the recruiting world for Rutgers fans, but you get other benefits as well. We have a deal with Sports Illustrated to get a subscription there. We have 10% off tickets, actually 15% this week if you took advantage of that. 10% off gear if you're getting ready for the holidays. Coming soon, gift subscriptions too, which might be fun for anyone looking to give their family member, give another Rutgers fan a holiday present. Closing out the show here, let me first apologize for some of the audio quality during the news segment. Brian has zero ability to be still for more than two seconds. So a lot of that clicking and swooshing, he he can't sit still. And I don't think he's aware that sometimes those things are picked up on microphones. I did my best with it. Hopefully it wasn't too distracting. And hopefully Brian can sit still next time we do it. Other than that, my usual plea to like and subscribe in iTunes, uh, retweet, tell your friends, all that stuff. The only way that this show stays alive is if it's able to keep growing. I appreciate everyone that's listened and, and that interacts, especially those of you that send in your questions every week. I swear I'm not ignoring them. I just get a lot of them. So this has been another episode of the Rutgers Scoutcast. I'm your host, Sam Hellman of Scarlet Report. Thanks for listening.